CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and this is The Great America Show. Welcome, everybody. A lot to talk about today, and you've probably noticed that Joe Biden is day by day, week by week, introducing all of us to what America would look and feel like when he gets his way and reduces us, finally, to a third world nation. He's certainly trying hard enough, and he's making, unfortunately, considerable progress. Empty store shelves, illegal immigrants crossing our border at record high levels. At the current rate, by the way, we're talking about five to seven million illegals in this country in just the next year. Gasoline prices at all-time highs headed higher still. $6 a gallon gasoline now in prospect. We have that runaway inflation that Trump warned us about. Our capital markets are having fits, as we can plainly see every day. And Biden has done almost everything he could have over the past year to get us into a war with Russia. And he wants to give Ukraine another $50 billion to support the Ukrainians. And no one asking why he's doing that. The Republicans are going along with him. Why are the Republican rhinos going along with him? We'll be taking all of this up with Republican congressional candidate Corey Mills, tours in Iraq, Afghanistan, a small businessman, and we talked with Mills here today. But first, I want to bring in John Paul McIsaac to find out where he is in his effort to get justice from those who've caused him to lose his computer repair shop, who he says defamed him and cost him his livelihood, all because of the so-called laptop from hell, the Hunter Biden laptop that the president's son left off at his shop for repair. And that laptop is one of the reasons, the principal reasons, that the FBI, the DOJ, and Attorney General Bill Barr knew that Joe Biden was lying in the third presidential debate in 2020. And they allowed Biden to change history and to become president. That laptop is still making history. And so is John Paul McIsaac. Great to have you with us, John Paul. Great to talk with you again, John Paul McIsaac. Uh, and uh, since we last talked, you've got a lawsuit now that's rolling out against various entities, including uh, CNN uh, and others. Where do you stand with this lawsuit right now? Well, I, you know, first off, thank you so much for having me back on the show. Um, I'm excited. Uh, I, I suffered a, a pretty substantial defeat against Twitter when I tried to hold them accountable for labeling uh, my actions as hacking. And they, they punished me pretty hard financially. So I, I just figured that my, my opportunity to defend my actions and hold those accountable in a court of law was just evaporated last summer. So uh, I, was, I was just overwhelmed in April when uh, Joe Flynn, General Flynn's brother uh, from the America Project, uh, stepped up, reached out to my lawyer and offered to fund our lawsuits. And we had been planning the Adam Schiff lawsuit for well, quite some time. Um, it was just a matter of really funding. And with that taken out of the picture, now we can be focused in on, on holding these people accountable and uh, 
basically getting to the bottom of who gave them the marching orders. That's what I want to know. I want to get to discovery and I want to figure out who told these people and well, who had to, them prepared. Let, let's go to Adam Schiff and get clarification. You said with them out of the way, uh, what do you mean? Well, so Adam, Adam Schiff decided to go on CNN uh, and tell the entire world that this laptop was an operation conducted by the Kremlin. And the ramifications for that, for me personally, coming from a military family who's the entire, my, my entire family's time in the United States has been served in the Air Force or the Army Air Corps, and to have the label traitor. Because when you basically imply that I worked with a foreign power to affect the outcome of a, an election, you're labeling me a traitor. And to have that tied to my name is just, I won't stand for that. So uh, I've, I've had my crosshairs on, on shift for a while. It's just with, you know, Twitter leaving me financially devastated, uh, I never saw that as an opportunity. So it's, it's getting to, to hold these people accountable is now my number one goal. So you're, t- you're still planning to go ahead with a lawsuit against Schiff, is that correct? Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and let's go through, who all are you right now, either uh, naming in your lawsuit or targeting? Uh, give us a sense of just how broad your lawsuit is in terms of the targets. So uh, CNN obviously uh, perpetuated a lot of the narrative. Uh, Politico uh, took the letter that was penned by the 51 pillars of the intelligence community uh, where it clearly stated in the letter, though they don't have any evidence that this was Russian uh, origin, that you know they they alluded to it. Politico decided to run with that narrative, and they they pushed it. So they those two were the big news outlets that decided to uh, push that specific narrative. Um, a lot of the other MSNBCs and a lot of those other uh, institutions, they they. Uh, I want to, what is it called? The Rachel Maddow defense where, you know, nobody's going to take them seriously because they're commentary and whatever they say can't be, you know, grain assaulted. So it, it's, it's going to be hard to push the narrative with that. We're hoping that the, the big, the big entities responsible, CNN and Politico, uh, that getting to discovery will reveal more and, uh, more importantly, who, who instructed them or who gave them that narrative in the first place. The Daily Beast, for a long time, and I believe still today, has uh, uh, had on their website uh, references to the laptop being stolen, which would imply that I'm a thief. So that's, uh, that has to be put an end to as well, because I'm, I'm neither a Russian nor am I a hacker. I'm definitely not a thief. And uh, at any time, did you demand an apology or a retraction from any of these people? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I pretty much from day one, uh, my lawyer uh, was putting out cease and desist and, and retractions and requests for amendments. And, and a, a lot of those were ignored. So as we proceed here, what are the next steps in that lawsuit? Well, um, there's, there's a couple things that have to happen first. Uh, I, I can't really go into too much detail about that right now. Uh, we're hoping to add some additional um, individuals, uh, 
So we have to uh, we have to kind of reconvene this week to to figure that out. So we're not done. Um, this is definitely getting some attention, which is what we want. Uh, I want personally to put pressure on these people and hold them accountable. So any any step to get there, in my opinion, is is a step in the right direction. And uh, we have some exciting things coming. That's all I can talk about right now. Well, that's that's wonderful news for you and for the. For, for the American people, because we want justice done for you, uh, because you have been uh, absolutely uh, an innocent in this who's been taken advantage of. Uh, and it has to be it has to be corrected and put right. And that's one reason for the courts uh, to do just that. Let me ask, first of all, I guess after knowing, talking with you, knowing what you've gone through, why just a million uh, are what a lot of people are asking right now. Why not more than that for, for all the pain? Uh, uh, you know, what is the expression pain and suffering? I mean, you've gone through an extraordinary life experience here uh, that uh, was less than pleasant. I'll put it that way. You know, I think a lot of this changed for me on October 14th when the iron curtain of disinformation descended on the story and with, with the truth being blocked. So was my ability to tell the truth. And I realized that this is so much bigger than me. This was a, a collaborative effort by such a broad range of big tech and, and government entities that to, to sh- shut down a story. And from that point on, I justice changed for me. It wasn't about clearing my name. It was more about this can't ever happen again. We've put way too much faith in our mainstream media and we trust them. We put so much reliance on our technology where, you know, I, I read a Pew report that said something like 86 or 84% of people get their news through their digital devices. And if somebody's controlling or putting a filter over those devices, we need to know because this was an important story with, you know, obviously a consequence towards me, but the consequences for the whole nation and justice for me now looks like as long as this never happens again, that's going to be justice. Sure. Holding these people accountable, opening the eyes to the other half of the country that had the wool pulled over them that's going to be justice. And I, I'm, I'm, for me, it's not about the money. It, it, it really was never about the money. Like if it was ever about money for me, I, and I was a different person, I would have sold that laptop to a tabloid. I would have, you know, sold it to somebody. I would have done something. This has never been about money. I've refused money. And I didn't even want to open up a fundraiser. My friend had to convince me to do that because we realized that book sales aren't going to happen for like six months to a year. I'm going to starve to death. So it's kind of one of those things. If this was about money, I would have made it about money a long time ago. For me, this is about getting to the bottom of who told everyone. Because at 6.30, the article in the morning, the article came out by 9.30 in the morning, three hours later, 
there was a complete shutdown of the story. That's not something that happens on a telephone game when somebody sees a story and then calls their buddy to tell them we need to follow the line. This was prepared for it. They were ready. And this can't happen again. So I'll do whatever I can. And if the lawyers want the money, they can have the money. Um, for me, it's about getting to the bottom of this and getting to the truth so it, we don't have to go through this again. Well, I, I profoundly respect your view and your, your opinion. Uh, and your values. And I think that's commendable. Um, Then I look over at a headline. Have you seen Hunter Biden now teaming uh, with a Hollywood attorney to, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. investigate the leak of his laptop? Have you seen those stories? I I have. And I'm I'm a little concerned that he's kind of throwing money away at this point. Um, The like Hunter's lawyer, George Maceres, called me up at the shop on October 13th, the eve of the story breaking, and asked me if I was still in possession of the laptop. So obviously, Hunter's lawyer back in October of 2020 knew that there was a laptop and where it was because he called me up asking for it. I told him what the FBI told me to tell him, which was to stall them and to tell them that it was off-site and give me 24 hours and collect their information. So... Yeah, I don't understand why there's this big mystery. Uh, It's been very well documented. The FBI has a paper trail for the existence of the laptop and where it ended up. Unfortunately, they can't figure out where it ended up after that. But at least, I mean, I have a subpoena. If they they need any help whatsoever, I could save a lot of time and money. I've been pretty good at documenting this entire interaction. I just have a funny feeling they're not going to reach out to me. Yeah. Uh, I... You know, I just have to say, when I look at those stories, I think to myself, is this uh, some sort of uh, predicate they're creating uh, to go after you? Have your attorneys talked to you about that possibility? You know, I don't think I've done anything wrong. Uh, The multiple times I've interacted with the FBI, they've never alluded or showed any concern that I've broken the law in any way, shape or form. Um, I lawfully took possession of that product and I handed it over the, to the authorities. And then I ultimately handed over a copy to the lawyer for the president of the United States. That's the end of my involvement. And that's been thoroughly documented. Uh, I'm more concerned about the documentary that this individual is going to be working on that those two showcase Hunter's life since the bombshell story broke that was squashed. Um, because that creating a documentary, uh, is basically creating a narrative and then to turn around and have people like Nina, who's the governance board czar, uh, who has uh, denied the Hunter Biden's laptop's existence. You know, the combination of the two is like now there's a government entity that can give legitimacy to this documentary. So, I'm more concerned that they're trying to rewrite history and then use newly appointed government resources to make that, that narrative. Well, uh, let let me, let me give you my opinion and you consider it uh, for what it's worth, but you were just talking about all the filters they put over everything uh, in public media, social media, big tech, uh, corporate media, and the curtain descended. And, and a, car, a curtain of darkness descended over your story uh, and this laptop from hell uh, in, in nothing flat, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. And we're dealing with 
by a president in, in Joe Biden, who wants to put another filter on top of all the filters that you've just mentioned here on this show. And it's called the Disinformation Governance Board. And it is precisely for the purpose of giving government the power to decide what is true and what is false. And it is one of the ugliest things that we've seen develop. And we've seen many examples of ugliness uh, and surrounding the First Amendment in this country. This is the ugliest effort, I think, so far. Your thoughts about that? Well, I, it's the first step in making 2022 look like 1984. It, it scares the hell out of me because now anybody can write a narrative, can create their own version of the story, and then the government has a way to rubber stamp it. And I discovered that not only was the suppression of the story affecting me directly because I was being dragged into a narrative that I had nothing, I wasn't a Russian, I wasn't a hacker, and I wasn't a thief. But the unforeseen consequences were I had no way to retaliate. I could not use, nobody could use social media to defend my actions. The story couldn't be talked about. So only the, the one narrative was being pushed. And like I produced YouTube videos that were shadow banned. The, my ability to use these tools, it was a one-way street. It was their information coming downstream and I lack the ability to defend myself using their tools. This puts another layer above that, where the, the, the story will be allowed to be told by those who deserve to tell it, and anybody else will be silenced. And that should scare the hell out of everyone. Yeah, I, but I get the sense that it doesn't scare you, because you're talking about these people as if they were nice folks, and that you're, you know, you're just because you didn't uh, break a law or just because you told the truth was a sufficient defense uh, against government and social media, a conspiracy between the intelligence uh, agencies of this country, a political campaign. And we've seen what's happened. They have pursued for seven years Donald J. Trump as a candidate, as a president, and post-presidency. It is, and he has immense resources. And against a, an individual citizen without those resources, uh, it is a, it is a, it should be, I think, a very frightening moment. And anyone in that context should look for as many shields, swords, uh, and defenses as he or she can find, because they are fabricating charges and they are fabricating. Look at what they're doing to the January six people. Uh, you know, Kevin Kleinsmith, an FBI attorney falsified a document and got one year of probation. Uh, you know, Brandon Strzok did nothing. He stood outside the Capitol building with his camera for eight minutes, didn't touch anyone, didn't talk to anyone, and did nothing. He is on three years probation after a plea deal with these rabid, ideological, uh, crazed persecutors and prosecutors. I just, I don't think innocence is any longer a defense. I really don't. Yeah, but the, the truth, though, that's the thing is I, I don't feel, I feel confident because I have such support from all corners of this country. Like the, that has given me the strength to realize, oh, I got a lot of momentum behind me 
this is going to lift me up and this is going to give me the courage to continue this fight. I have the truth. I have the facts. And I was taught that, you know, the truth will set you free and the facts don't lie. It's so I'm, I have nothing to worry about because I have faith. I know I have a large portion of the country behind me and, uh, I, and I have the truth on my side and I'm not going to give up. I think, I think that's no one wants you to give up by the way. There, there should be, I don't want to give up. There'll be lots of possibilities and choices to make, but, uh, far more uh, in the middle range of give up and prevail. Uh, I believe you will prevail but I believe you're going to face difficult choices because think about it. I mean, there's some irony in this, uh, Joe, uh, you know, the, the facts matter, but Joe Flynn, uh, is your attorney working for you? His brother, the truth was his defense too. He was framed by the FBI for crying out loud. It can happen to anyone and very quickly and very, very, uh, viciously. And that, that's why I made a copy of the drive. I had witnessed what happened to Roger Stone in January of 2019. I knew that the, the, the proper channel was the FBI. I believe in the system. I just didn't trust the system because I had seen the system be weaponized for so many years. And I, and I guess that's why I wasn't really surprised when I got labeled a Russian because that seems to be their MO and whoever's doing their marketing is horrible. They need to be fired because they need to come up with some new, a new enemy. Cause this, this Russian thing's getting old. <laughs> it's very generous of you, John Paul, to, to give counsel to the, to the enemy. But I, I have to tell you, the enemy right now is not giving you counsel, uh, nor are they giving you in any way, uh, comfort or relief, uh, from, uh, what they have planned for this country. I, I, I want to, I want to turn to that issue uh, of their going after you. Uh, we know that Joe Biden uh, is obviously a man with great, uh, great conflicts in his past, his business dealings, his political office and authorities and responsibilities over the years. We have on that doc on that laptop sufficient documentation that this any investigation of this that was principled and above board and ethical would have already resolved into charges, at least from what I know. Uh, can you believe that it's taken the Delaware U S attorney four years to come up with a grand jury and still, still not be nearing apparently a, uh, a resolution. You know, it's, it's not, it's not surprising to me. Uh, you know, the, the fact that the investigation was, well into two years and they decided not to announce the investigation until after the election because they were afraid that it would might affect the election. Well, that kind of, duh. <laughs> that kind of explains why you did it. I just, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that uh, one of Hunter Biden's former associates is involved. Uh, it's I'm not, I wasn't surprised when, uh, Biden appointed somebody for the, uh, a friend for the FEC. And then they turned around and said Twitter was not involved in any form of election interference, which, in my opinion, blocking an important story that had an outcome on the election would be considered election interference in any other sane world. 
but we, you know, this is what they do. They stack the deck and they put their friends in high places to cover people that do them favors. And it's, it's crystal clear. It's a two tiered system of justice. It's I've seen it for quite some time. Now I'm experiencing it firsthand. And I think the best we can do is just inform as many citizens as possible. So that next time we go and vote, we can make an informed decision based on what's right for the nation and it'll fix itself. I'm a repair guy. Yeah. You know, I, you? I can't help, but I can't help, but want to try to fix something because replacing it, you know, it's been around. I love the constitution. These guys thought it up 246 years ago. I think they did a good job. <laughs> I think they, they saw into the future a lot further than our politicians see today, but it doesn't mean we can't do it again. We can't continue. I, I have faith in the system. You have faith in the system, but we just went through an election, which you know better than anyone else, that the president, the then former vice president, uh, Joe Biden, lied to the American people in the third debate about the laptop that you were in possession of for a time, mm -hmm. uh, about its contents that you were in possession of still, I believe. And I guess I'm correct on that. And uh, the head of the FBI, that is the attorney general, is the head of the Justice Department, the chief law enforcement officer in charge of the FBI, decided not to intervene and tell the American people the truth. The very word that you use that would defend us all, the truth. The truth wasn't brought to bear. And, and our 50 intelligence officers and five former CIA heads allowed their names to be used in the biggest lie in campaign history. And I can't for a moment say to this audience of the Great America Show that I will believe for a moment that truth is enough, that innocence is enough. We've got to get engaged. We have got to change our attitude. And I agree with you, John Paul. Uh, the Constitution has it right. Our founders had it right. But we have sullied we have sullied uh, nearly every value, and we have to re restore uh, those values, those founding values to primacy in the way in which we conduct ourselves as Americans in this great constitutional republic. Uh, and by the way, that means we have to work together, and we need to come together. And right now, we haven't done that, and we're not near it. Your thoughts? Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, I, again, I, I I think it's better to to repair than replace. I, I think that you have to wait. Sometimes well, let me be let me break. be clear. I'm talking about repairing. I'm not talking about replacing. Yeah. I'm saying that the founding values oh. are the founding values. The Constitution is the founding document, and it will be forevermore, as long as we defend it. As Benjamin Franklin said, a republic, if you can keep it, in responding to what kind of government do you have? And this is what we had. I'm not sure we can still say that with absolute 100% assurance. Well, we can fix it. And I think like we've demonstrated in, over the past couple centuries, uh, if we stand up and we raise our voice, we can make change. And I, if this is what I have to do, if this is a part of that to initiate that change, then this is what I do now for a living. This is what I have to do. And I, 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 I have, again, I have faith in the system. The system's broken, so we got to fix it. Sometimes you got to watch something fail 
before you can see exactly how to fix it. There's 51 intelligence guys lost all their credibility, all of it. You know, a lot of them moonlight on MSNBC and NBC and CBS. So it's kind of, you know, their credibility is damaged and we have to spread the word on that and it's working. So then we move on to the next group who question their motives. If somebody's telling you something and they're swearing by it and they have a track record of lying to you, then you look at it and with a, with a different optic. It's, it's going to take some time, but we can't, we can't do what they do. They play dirty. They cheat. They bend the rules. They stack the deck. And that's not anything that I want to be a part of. And that's why I feel like the best thing to do is just stick to the truth and that'll set us free. Yeah. Um, so why didn't it in 2020? Because it's broken and we've seen how we've seen how broken it is. We've seen how they try to cover it up. You know, they'll, they'll blame dominion or they'll get a, a rumor started about dominion voting fraud. And that distracts you from the ballot stuff. So that when the, when it comes up in a Wikipedia article, Oh, it was all here's the, the conspiracies of the election. It all gets bundled in and then flushed down the history toilet. So we need to, you know, and then, and then Dominion gets to sue everybody and make, make lots of money. So it, it's, well, let me be clear. How they operate. Dominion hasn't made mm-hmm. any money yet. <laughs> They're trying. Oh yeah. But the, the fact is, is it, it's, 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 it's a diversion. It's how they hide things. They release fake stuff from the laptop to say it's from the laptop. So it'll discredit the laptop. They have fake election fraud and then they get, the real election fraud hidden underneath its skirt. So that's, we're, we're learning so much. Every time they lie to the American people, we learn more and it'll be, it'll come a point in time where they're going to be out of tricks. And then we're left with honesty, integrity, and everything that's right about this country. And hopefully the rest of the country will see that. Well, I love your model of repair. Um, I, I wish I could uh, accept it as readily as you do. Uh, but I give you great credit for all you've gone through, still believing in the system and still uh, in the fight against overwhelming corruption in this country. Uh, you know, you've done so much. And I want to thank you, John Paul. You've done so much trying to get this country to move from darkness to, to light. Um, it's going to be, uh, I know, a, a, a tough, tough battle in the uh, days, weeks and months ahead. Uh, but I salute you for doing it. And we're going to be here to, we're going to cover your back as best we can here on the great America no show. Let well, me, thank uh, you so much, sir. Let, let me just say, as we turn to your concluding thoughts, we always give our guests, as you know, uh, last word here. Uh, I'd like to hear you uh, give us a sense of what you think this country is going to look like in five years. Uh, well, hopefully mask free. Um, hopefully less, 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 uh, protesting and less, uh, less upset people overall. You know, I'd, I'd like to get to a place that's actually, uh, you know, where we, we can all agree, focus on the things we agree on and then not fight over the stuff we disagree on. How about you abortion? Know, go, go back to like, oh, uh, well, you know, that's, I am a white male, so not only am I a terrorist, but uh, I have no, no place or opinion on that, though I value all life at, at all times. So, you know, it, it's... Uh, 
All right. Uh, the, the, but that's, 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 there's always going to be opposition to opinions and thoughts and beliefs. And that's, it's how we live together that I think if we focus our attention and our efforts on, then we'll realize that, oh, well, you know, we're climbing the same mountain. We're just doing it from different sides. How about I, I border security? That, how about border security um, and illegal immigration? I, 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 coming from a grandfather that fought for this country before he was even a citizen, uh, it, it means uh, immigration is very important to me and having a proper way to allow individuals that want to be a part of this great country. I think an expediting way to do that, uh, a, a safe and thorough vetting process. I think all these things are great uh, procedures and policies that need to be put in place to expedite the infiltration of honest, good people that want to be a part of this country. And then for the rest, put a wall up. We, we started building it. It seemed to work. Why, why stop? Walt, walls work at Nancy Pelosi's house. They work at Joe Biden's beach house. Why, yeah. why not? Why not stop? We would solve so many problems by just completing that wall. I agree. So now with your concluding thoughts, I just wanted to get, put a few wedge issues in front of you to see how you came mm -hmm. down. And uh, I appreciate your answers. Uh, now we'll, We'll turn to you, John Paul, for your concluding thoughts on the day. And again, we appreciate you being with us. Well, again, it, it's an absolute honor to be on the show. I, I want to just, my thoughts every day is I can't believe I've made it this far. And I can't believe I have so much support. And this is a life I never even imagined that I would want. I hope I never get used to it. Most of it makes me uncomfortable. I'm not, I'm an introvert. <laughs> so I like helping people, and this lets me fulfill that that want by continuing to fight. But man, if it wasn't for the support that I've received from from complete strangers from all over this country, I wouldn't be I wouldn't have the strength to fight. So I just want everybody to know that's that's prayed for me, said a good word, donated to my my give send go. Um, I I I will fight and continue to fight because. Not only I do I love my country, but everybody else does. And and that's that's just the number one reason to fight. Well said. Paul, thank you very much. John Paul McIsaac, a great American in the fight of his life. Uh, and it's uh, it's a fight worth having. And that's what makes it so important to him and to all of us as his fellow Americans. And joining us now is the most endorsed Republican candidate running for Congress from the 7th District of Florida. Corey Mills is an Iraq and Afghan war veteran, small businessman, and when he tells you he can make liberals cry, believe him. Here's his most recent commercial running right now. I'm Corey Mills, a U.S. Army combat veteran who served in Iraq and Afghanistan. I came home and started a company making riot control munitions for law enforcement. You may know some of our work. Now the liberal media is crying about it. Corey Mills, soldier, conservative, outsider. I'm Corey Mills, and I approve this message. Because if the media wants to shed some real tears, I can help them out with that. Corey Mills, welcome back to The Great America Show. The Florida primary is one of the latest in the country. August 23rd. Tell us how you think your campaign is doing right now. 
Well, thanks, Lou. I appreciate you having me back on. So we're, we're feeling really good about the race. As you know, we're the only uh, Trump appointee who is running in Florida's 7th District. Uh, we're currently the most endorsed candidate in the nation. We have over 16 sitting members, uh, two senators. We were also endorsed by ACU and CPAC. Uh, we run in the, the lead with the cash on hand, and we're up in the polls two, three points. Uh, we just started with our first media ad buy, so we're the first to go up on media. Uh, so we think that we're going to see double-digit jump in the polls here very soon. So uh, we're looking to turn what is right now a very crowded race into a one-person race very soon. Give us a sense of what uh, going up on media means. What, are, what kind of uh, messaging are you doing? What kind of commercials are you running? So we just ran our first uh, 30-second media ad buy. It's running on Fox News here in the district. And what I'm responding to is a recent attempted hit piece by Politico, where they ridicule me and my company for its support to our brave men and women in blue, our law enforcement. And what it's in reference to is us supplying less lethal materials to our law enforcement departments to be able to uh, respond to the 2020 riots, the Antifas, the BLM riders who are destroying businesses, threatening uh, innocent civilians, uh, vandalizing homes, shutting down economies. And, you know, the so-called uh, protest of love was anything but. And our brave men and women had needed the less lethal options to be able to try and control those types of things from going on. And so I was very proud to supply that. And I was attacked by our media, as well as for people like Representative Cory Bush, uh, even had a, a letter from the Congress uh, Oversight and uh, Committee and Re uh, Committee of Oversight and Reform, excuse me, and uh, to which they were asking which departments we supply to, which is, in my opinion, none of their businesses. My response was, is if you want to know all the facts, go ahead and subpoena me. So I put up a recent media ad responding to the whining and crying about our support and supply to our brave men and women, and I stand proudly to defend, not defund, our law enforcement departments. And as, uh, you suggested that's, that's going to be a very powerful message uh, in your district, and, uh, and what a, a terrific thing that you can support uh, our law enforcement officers uh, in, uh, in providing them uh, a, a non-lethal uh, alternative. You would think that the left would be beside themselves with joy at that uh, prospect rather than uh, attacking you uh, for providing uh, that material to the to law enforcement. I mean, that's strange. It's completely strange. The idea that you're going to vilify one, a business owner and, you know, military combat veteran, but also keep in mind that we employ over 100 Floridians. That's 100 more people and 100 more families that have back to work that we never shut down during the actual lockdowns or the unconstitutional mandates. We support and supply over 193 law enforcement departments across the country to include our Department of Corrections and the Federal Department of Law Enforcement, not to mention that we also help with the training and the validation exercises for our U.S. military. So I stand strong and proud of the idea that I'm supporting the people who not only just keeps our communities and our streets safe, but our nation safe. Give us a sense uh, of where, where you stand on Ukraine, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and the Biden administration now wants to raise the amount of money that to ship to uh, the Ukrainian government to $40 billion. Uh, the original uh, two weeks ago was going to be uh, $33 billion. 
Uh, and even by those standards at that moment, uh, that's more than the rest of NATO combined is providing. What do you make of this administration's uh, apparent interest in expanding the conflict uh, through this kind of aid and uh, taking the lead from the Europeans who should be, it seems to me at least, uh, engaged uh, and supporting Ukraine and not relying on the United States as uh, as they did before Donald Trump uh, to provide their national security? Well, I'll tell you, the first thing I'll say is that if President Trump was still in power, this would not be taking place. The China-Russia-Iran geopolitical alignment, which is essentially an axis of evil, has seen the weakness, and that weakness was very easily saw through the botched Afghanistan withdrawal, which, as you know, Lou, my team and I actually conducted the very first successful overland rescue of Americans out of Afghanistan. We rescued a mother and her three children from Amarillo, Texas, Congressman Jackson's district. But I'll tell you, what this is is not about the overtake of Ukraine or the redrawing of lines to the former USSR. What this is about is Chairman Xi and Vladimir Putin's One Road, One Belt initiative to expand the Eurasian border, to take over Africa and Oceania, to recreate a maritime Silk Road, and to basically choke off supplies to the West by the Horn of Africa, by the Mediterranean, the Red Sea, etc. But on top of that, their real ultimate goal, because they both modified their constitutions to remain in power forever, is to take away the U.S. dollar from being the global currency. And we see that with China, for example, who's already gone into Saudi Arabia and already in discussions with OPEC to replace the petrodollar to the petro yuan. But our involvement in this should not be kinetic. Yes, I'm happy with trying to sell the necessary defense aids to prop up not only American economics, but also to support and uh, go against Russia and their invasion. But we need to look at the facts here. We should have, in 2014, when the Russians came across, we should have already have looked at international sanctions and looking at the 1994 Budapest Memorandum, that the Federation of Russia the UK and Northern Ireland, the United States and Ukraine signed up to recognizing the sovereignty and the borders of Ukraine. And it was a uh, nuclear nonproliferation agreement, but it was to recognize their sovereignty and that was violated. I was in Ukraine in 2015, helping to work with a volunteer battalion called the Nipita Battalion out of the Nepetrovsk. And these are business owners and former military who were coming forward trying to fight the aggressors who was the Russian military that came across in Donetsk and also had just annexed Crimea. But I want to be clear on something. While I've fought multiple wars, I've spent seven years in Iraq, nearly three years in Afghanistan. I am not for our interventionism. I am not for propping up the military industrial complex or supporting the neocon and neolib lo- uh, lobbyists who are basically poisoning Washington. We need to get back to an America first agenda. The idea that we're spending $50 billion to in Ukraine, but we can't give $5 billion to secure our Southern borders is abhorrent behavior. We've got porous open border policies. We've got soft on crime policies. We have 100,000 Americans a year who's dying from fentanyl overdoses. The human drug and sex trafficking coming across that we're turning a blind eye to. And the border czar, Kamala Harris, never even has made an attempt to go down there to see the real travesty. I was just down there seven days ago, Lou. I was in a little place called Roma, Texas. 
And I kid you not, there was no wall, no fence, no barbed wire, no CBP ice post, no La Policia on the other side. There was ankle to knee deep water that you could cross 100 yards from Mexico into America and you would have came in completely unfettered. We are seeing an invasion, and the idea that they're going to try to remove Title 42, which is going to see an increase of 18,000 migrants a day, and now they're still talking about $50 billion for Ukraine, it's, a, it's nonsense, Lou. It is nonsense, and the proximate, the proximate clear and present danger to the United States is that un- unpoliced, I- insecure border it is wide open to whomever wants to cross it, uh, not only uh, illegal immigrants, but terrorists and, and whomever makes a, makes a choice. Right. And, for the, and, and the administration refuses to even acknowledge what a threat it poses to the American people and what the impact is on, on the United States, the importation of all of this poverty, uh, people who are uneducated, uh, lack skills coming to this country and and uh, being distributed around the country we know not where uh, it is the most amazing exactly thing right, Lou. 300 million people can't find out where two million in the first year of this presidency uh, went we know they crossed the border but where are they who are they and what well, are they doing the, the biggest thing and you you touched on it Lou and you're hundred percent right and this is what people need to understand. You know, it's not just about the so-called refugees or asylum seekers, but we had 23 people cross just last month that we captured that we know were on terrorist watch lists. We know that there was four Yemeni-age, military-age males the, mo- the month before who was on an FBI terrorist watch list. We know in the month of December, we had 2,000 Russians and 300 Ukrainians who were crossing our borders. These are not asylum seekers, Lou. And if we're not cautious and we're not careful, we're going to see another 9-11 happen in America. And the Republican Party, uh, of which you're a part, uh, your leadership isn't doing a thing. Uh, and, and when it had an opportunity didn't stand up with President Trump. Give us your sense of whether or not there will be enough uh, Corey Mills uh, in this new Congress rather than rhinos to make a difference in the direction of the country itself. Well, first off, I'll just go ahead and say that, you know, for too long, far too long, Republicans fought not to lose and Democrats fought to win. And while that sounds the same on paper, It is two very different strategies. We need to be fighting not to just control the seat that we sit in, but to fight for the American people, restore power, get back to constitutionality. And if you notice right now, more military combat veterans are running for election in this office than ever before. All of Congress is only made up of about 17 percent military veterans of that even fewer combat veterans. And these are the people who are thrusting us into these never ending wars. So I'll tell you, Lou, I think that, you know, I tell people I'm a conservative first and a Republican second. You know, I look at the conservative party as a repository or a vessel which helps to store and protect and preserve our conservative ideals. But if they're not going to do that, Lou, that's where patriots have to rise. That's why I never intended to run for politics. I never wanted to be in politics, but I won't be a politician and I will be a statesman. People who will act and not just talk. We need more fighters in there 
to get shoulder to shoulder with true conservative America first uh, leaders like Congressman Jim Jordan. We need people in there who's fighting like Congressman Mark Green, Congressman Ralph Norman. We need people in there like Congressman Ronnie Jackson, who's a new conservative who is fighting hard for the America First agenda. And I look to join them on the congressional floor so that we can take back America and secure our borders and get back to domestic production, energy independence, and an America First agenda. And I have to say, there's a I, I have a, a a preference in this myself, and that is that we have more veterans who are going to Congress, going to the Senate, uh, because the saying that's become rather uh, cliched here of late is courage is contagious. Uh, I think that a lot of people uh, in, in Congress right now need to have those who've served this country in uniform uh, for, if you will, example and for support and encouragement to stand up and, as you say, be statesmen and to be principled and not to be docile, milquetoast uh, rhinos who are really more Democrat than they are Republican. It, that The era of the rhino is gone. It is dead. Uh, and we really need to replace rhinos with courage and principle and energy. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I'm delighted you're running uh, and as you say, all of the other veterans as well uh, running for Congress. Absolutely, Lou. And I'll tell you, it's an honor to be able to serve. And the one thing about military veterans is that we swore an oath. And in that oath, we all know it. We swear to provide and protect and preserve our Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Just because we take that uniform off does not mean that oath expires. And that's why a lot of us are starting to come forward and say, what was it? that our brothers sacrificed for? What is our actual optimal goal here? And it's to preserve and protect American citizens, not to protect and preserve the citizens of Ukraine or the citizens of Mexico or Honduras. We are here for the American people and more elected officials need to be the voice of those American people. And that's what I'm here for. And that's what I'm running for, Lou. I know that you've set uh, some high uh, ethical standards for yourself. Tell the audience what you're doing uh, when you are elected? So I, I truly believe that for too long, that both on the left and right side, they get elected into office to enrich themselves and to really self-service, not public service. And that's why I talk about the fact of being a statesman and not a politician. So I want to bring back what it is to have public service. So the first thing I've pledged is I will not take a salary while I'm in office. I will have our constituents in my district vote on an actual woman, child, or veteran charity every quarter for my check to go through and go to it. But we're going to take a step further, something that should be permanent legislation. Far too often, you have politicians who know that the legislation they're getting ready to pass directly manipulates stocks that they're buying, selling, and trading. We need to ensure that myself, as well as for others, and I've already pledged this, I will not, my spouse will not, and anyone who operates and works in my office will not be permitted to buy, sell, and trade stocks while I'm an elected official. If you and I were to do it, Lou, right now, it would be called insider trading. There should not be a two-tiered system where elitists and politicians enrich themselves off the American people. That stops now. Well, and I'm sure that the audience is pleased to hear you're setting a standard before even being elected uh, for all of Congress uh, to follow. And, and 
that is in and of itself leadership. So I, I compliment you and I thank you for doing that. Uh, I want to turn as well here as uh, I know you're pressed for time, uh, but I wanted, I do want to get your thoughts about uh, what it's going to take to resolve uh, Ukraine uh, and what the Biden administration should be doing uh, in Ukraine rather than uh, perpetuating a war that is obviously devastating Ukraine uh, and its people. Well, you talked about this earlier, Lou, and you're exactly right that the EU, the European Union, should be the ones who are really the steadfast and, and largest supporters. And I give credit to the UK and Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who has leveraged the biggest sanctions on uh, three of the five large state-owned banks in Russia, which has hurt a lot of the, the wealthy oligarchs. I do applaud them for their efforts of going over there and trying to see and talk to Zelensky and their support. But the issue is that you have nations like Germany, who over the last two decades have gotten rid of their nuclear and coal energy and have become more and more dependent upon Russian energy. That's why they were so much of an advocate for the Nord Stream 2 pipeline that Joe Biden had given the green light to. But America needs to be able to understand that Ukraine has a tremendous amount of resolve. Yes, we definitely need to ensure that they have the necessary defense articles and defense goods to be able to defend their sovereignty. But that doesn't mean that it has to come at the taxpayers' expenses here in America. The EU, the United Nations Security Council, they should be reviewing the 1994 International Budapest Memorandum, an agreement that was in violation. They should be looking against crimes of humanity and crimes against the people of, of Ukraine that was conducted by Vladimir Putin. We need stronger sanctions, diplomatic isolation. We need to stop immediately the oil independence and energy independence on them. We need to not even enter into the agreement for the new Iran nuclear deal that Joe Biden's administration is going to use Minister of Foreign Affairs Lavrov in Russia to be the mediator and negotiator. We need to ensure that we hold all adversaries accountable like China and Russia. But I'll tell you, Lou, the best way to hold China and Russia accountable is to increase domestic production at home, get back to energy independence, Stop the reliance and the funding of our adversarial nations who want to destroy us, that being China and Russia. Immediately, like Indiana's law that has passed, prevent foreign ownership and purchase of American farmlands. We have to understand that this is about economic resource warfare, and that starts at home. Corey Mills, thanks for being with us on The Great America Show. Uh, we wish you continued success with your campaign and uh, all the best of luck. Thank you so much. It's great to be with the great Lou Dobbs, and it's always an honor to be on here. Thank you again. Great to have everybody with us today. Joining us here tomorrow will be Joel Pollack, Breitbart News Senior Editor at Large. We'll all be catching up on the spectacular, riveting first week of the government's jury trial of former Clinton campaign attorney Michael Sussman. Sussman is charged with one count of lying to the FBI, and this case is fundamental to all the charges that special counsel John Durham is expected to file in the weeks and months ahead. Russiagate being revealed as the hoax it was, the years-long attack on President Trump, the most successful political disinformation campaign and frame-up in American history. Please be with us for that and Joel Pollack here tomorrow. Till then, God bless you and God bless America. <laughs>